0: And welcome to the pod's honest truth with David Brody. Hey, that's me. Narcissism. Got to get my name in the title. My mom would like it. I like it. Clearly, uh, my idea. Shockingly, that I put my name in the title. Uh, glad you're aboard, everybody. Look, uh, glad to be back in the podcast studio. I tell you what, went to New York over the weekend. Uh, that's where I'm from, Manhattan, New York, Upper West Side, the mean streets of the latte sipping, uh, Upper West Side of New York. Uh, saw my Jewish mother up there. Uh, I don't know why I said Jewish mother. I mean, she is, she's a, she's my Jewish mother. She's on Upper West Side of New York, figuring God has a sense of humor. My liberal Jewish mother watches uh, CBN and the 700 Club. So there you go, just proving God has a sense of humor. Can I, can I just tell you real quick, as it relates to uh, New York and Broadway, love Broadway, off Broadway, eh, here's the thing. It's hit or miss, I'm just letting you know, went over the weekend. Let's just say this, it was a miss. But look, they tried, all right? They gave it their, it, but you know, it felt a little bit like community theater somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so I, I just didn't enjoy it. But anyhow, that has nothing to do with the podcast because today on the podcast, Sean Spicer. That's right, now he's not wearing that shirt that he did with Dancing with the Stars. I don't think so during this interview. It was audio, I have no idea. Maybe he was wearing the shirt, but he had that puffy, what was it? Like a puffy, shrilly, green shirt. Uh, like Seinfeld. I don't know if he had it, but he's going to talk a lot about a lot of different uh, topics here on the podcast, including uh, Michael Bloomberg and the fact that Trump should not take him lightly. He's going to talk about the House in 2020. Can Republicans uh, get that back in their control? He's going to talk about whether or not he thinks there's some deep state going on at the DOJ. And of course, we're going to talk to him about the Dancing with the Stars episode and all of that. I mean, he did become a quarterfinalist, FYI. All right, so that's coming up on the podcast. Uh, and, and a couple topics that he hit on that I want to hit on first, and then we'll get to Sean Spicer a little bit later. But why is Michael Bloomberg rising in these polls? That was one of the things we discussed uh, with Spicer. But, but here's, here's my take, and, and I think it's pretty simple, and it's not so much, I mean, it is analysis, sure, it's analysis, but it's based on some facts. Uh, First of all, uh, Bernie's too socialist for the Democrats. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, Don't take my word for it, ask him. He says he's a socialist. I'm sorry, my bad, a democratic socialist. Okay, whatever. Uh, So there's that. So Bernie's too socialist. Biden's clearly too old. I think he's proven that. Uh, Buttigieg, very well, maybe too young. Uh, A lot of folks have some concerns about that. And Bloomberg, at this point, is just too rich for all of them. I mean, he's spending so much money And let's be honest, if he didn't spend hundreds of millions of dollars on television ads, he would not be sitting at 19 percent in these national polls. I mean, after all, I mean, what got him to 19 percent? I mean, his past stop and frisk policy. Hello. I don't think that did it. Uh, He wants to raise taxes on the poor. Have you heard about that? We'll do that in another podcast. So that didn't get him to 19 percent with the Democrats. Being a billionaire, running in a Democratic primary, did that get him to 19%? Uh, No, just ask Bernie. His scintillating personality? Look, Bloomberg's not Trump when it comes to personality, okay? He's self-depreciating a little bit, but he's not Trump. So none of that got him to 19%. What got him to 19% is over $300 million that he's spending on television ads. I mean, I can literally not go... More than four minutes watching television at home, and all of a sudden it's like, I like Mike. I like Mike. I like it's. It's like a television ad after television ad, here in the Washington D.C. area, uh, because if you live in Maryland, Virginia, obviously, especially uh, well Maryland for Democrats and Virginia for a uh, for a battleground state, you're going to get bombarded with these ads, and that's what he's done. Look, he's he's 124 million dollars he's spent just on Super Tuesday states alone. So I don't know. Maybe it takes a a billionaire to beat a billionaire. Maybe it takes a New Yorker to beat a New Yorker. I don't know. Uh, Maybe Bloomberg will become the nominee. And the problem there is there'll be no energy behind it because all the progressive young folks can't stand the billionaire class, right? They're with Bernie. They don't want a billionaire. So maybe they'll just stay home and play PlayStation 4. I don't know. But either way, Democrats are going to have some soul searching to do, whether it be Bernie as a nominee or potentially Bloomberg or maybe even someone else. But Sean Spicer is going to talk about all of that a little bit later. First, though, more about who we are. The Pod's Honest Truth. That's the podcast. That's what you're listening to. It's part of a new and exciting endeavor at Just the News. That's right. We're a new digital website dedicating to giving you facts, not spin. We are launching the website this month. That's exciting. I mean, can we can we get a a discount code or something for that? I mean, there's got to be some something we can give you. I don't know what we're going to give you. I can't believe I just asked for you to get a discount. But it's free. It doesn't matter. Look, it's justthenews.com. That's where you go. Uh, and we have podcasts. We have mine. We have John Solomon, John, called John Solomon Reports, because guess what? That's what he does. He reports. And then you have the Cheryl Atkinson podcast, and she investigates uh, like none other in this country. So you've got John's podcast. Go subscribe to that. Cheryl Atkinson's podcast. Subscribe to that. All on justthenews.com. And while you're there, of course, please subscribe to mine as well. You can find the Pods Honest Truth uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast. So don't forget, click the subscribe button. And don't forget to rate me. Look, I'm going I'm to tell you something right now. I got a five star rating. Okay. Now, Yes. Am I excited about that? Yes. Do I go to sleep at night thinking about the five-star rating? All right, here's the honest truth. Yes, I do. Here's the pod's honest truth. Yes, I do. So I don't need a 4.9. I don't need a 4.8. I need the 5.0. Please, at least uh, just just, just help me out from a psychological standpoint. I don't need to be going into the therapy and talking to my therapist about a 4.7. I don't need that, all right? So if you could just leave me the, the rating. And make it a 5.0, that would be great. All right, hang on. We're going to do a commercial break. When we come back, a closer look at a cozy connection between the media world and journalists. That's what something Sean Spicer talked about. We'll have a discussion about that and Sean Spicer coming up in the Pod's Honest Truth.
1: Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. And welcome back,
0: everybody, to the pod's Honest Truth. All right, time now to dissect a little bit between journalist and opinion. Uh, We we know that the media is liberal. That's not a shocker at all. And Sam Donaldson revealed this uh, pretty succinctly and pretty emphatically this past week now if you're under 40 you're probably saying who sam who uncle sam what are you talking about sam donaldson the former white house correspondent for abc news back in the day with ronald reagan anyhow big deal okay kind of an icon in broadcasting look it up he's got a wikipedia page he came out he's 80 years old now okay so he he's out of journalism but he came out and said i'm supporting michael bloomberg he talked about it with anderson cooper i want you to have a listen
1: Why endorse Bloomberg? And why now?
0: Well, because I think Mike Bloomberg is best suited to take on Donald J. Trump this
1: November and beat him. And that's something I think is very important for the country.
0: Now, look, Sam Donaldson is 80 years old. Knock yourself out. You want to endorse someone? Look, technically, there's not a problem with that. You're a private citizen. Do whatever you want. But what this revealed is something everyone has known for a very long time, that most of these journalists are liberal. And the fact that Sam Donaldson, such a high profile journalist did this, really made other journalists very uncomfortable because it in essence pointed a, or shined, I should say, a spotlight on this liberal bias uh, that we know it to be. And that was part of the problem. And it's interesting because yeah, as much as journalists will admit that there is a bias problem uh, in the media they really don't want to talk about it. I mean, that's the truth. As a matter of fact, you know, what's interesting is that liberals, though, they do actually want to talk about uh, Trump. And bias. Let's say, for example, he actually uh, hires someone at Fox News, which he has done before, right? You're going to have Chris Hayes, for example, on MSNBC saying this, this is a quote, Trump TV is a pipeline for Trump hires. Okay, well, here's the thing. So he's hired a few people from Fox News, but that pales in comparison to what the Obama administration did. Just for example, in their first four years alone, they hired 25 former reporters now i have the whole list here and you know not necessarily want to go through the whole list i will name a few names and we have some music uh you know who knows i'm talking to someone out there in podcast land um maybe we can put some music underneath this it so would give it a little bit more ambiance a little more flavor uh, a little bit more pizzazz a little jazz a little snazzy thing but but he, here's some of these names you may know them uh jay carney for example the white house press secretary he came from time magazine Uh, Samantha Power uh, was a former journalist. She was the U.S. ambassador for Barack Obama. Uh, Don't forget Linda Douglas. She was the former CBS and ABC reporter. Uh, She quit broadcasting to join the Obama 2008 campaign. She eventually went to the Office of Health Reform. I mean, the list goes on. What about Jim Sciutto over at CNN? He's their national security uh, correspondent. Well, guess what? He also worked for the Obama administration as U.S. ambassador to China. Uh, or excuse me, uh, in the staff for the U.S. ambassador to China. Jill Zuckerman went from the Chicago Tribune to the Obama administration's transportation department. How about Richard, Richard Stengel? Kind of a big deal. He was Time Magazine's managing editor. He went to the State Department. Look, I can go on and on. There was Deson Thompson, a former Washington Post movie critic, a movie critic, no less. He became a speechwriter for Hillary Clinton. Look, the list is numerous. The bottom line is there is bias in the media. I haven't told you something you don't already know. These are facts. These are people that actually uh, went and worked for the Obama administration. Does it mean they're bad people? Absolutely not. Does it mean that they wanted to serve their country? Absolutely. Does it mean that there are a lot of Democrats in the media? You betcha. And therefore, it's important to understand that when you are consuming news, know who you're consuming it from, know their point of view, research their background, Republican or Democrat. Look, if you got someone that's uh, in the Obama administration, or excuse me, the Trump administration, but has been from Fox News, you know, you should know that. Same thing with the Obama administration. All right. Uh, When we come back, we're getting to Sean Spicer with the Pause Honest Truth next. All right, so picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about the crow's feet or those large under eye bags? Now imagine that they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet and under eye bags in minutes. It is the edge, that you've been looking for. So you don't believe me? Well, guess what? I didn't either until I actually tried it. Now, I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like me, just 10 years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it. Of course, unless you tell them. So go to triplexiderm.com, use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus, get ready, an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off, plus an extra $10 off. This offer also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So visit TryPlexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com, code VOICES. And welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth. All right, time for the Newsmaker segment. Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary. You either love him or hate him. The liberals can't stand him. And he smiles and chuckles and says, look, do what you're going to do. You know, it's not the end of the world. As a matter of fact, not only is it not the end of the world, he went on to fame and fortune. I don't know about fortune, but fame for sure. Uh, with Dancing with the Stars, a quarterfinalist. So we talk about that. We talk about politics. We talk about Trump. We talk about Bloomberg. We talk about everything under the sun, including a new television show that he is going to be hosting coming up here in the next month. Sean Spicer on the Pod's Honest Truth. Sean, thanks for joining me on the podcast. You know, I'm moving up in the world. I got a podcast. There you go.
2: Hey, you know, you, you know that you've made it when you got a podcast, so congrats.
0: Well, thanks. And you know that you've made it when you're on Dancing with the Stars, by the way. How was that? Tell me a little bit. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that.
2: It was A little intimidating starting off. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I thought it was about time to do something fun and different and get outside of my comfort zone. And I, honestly, David, I couldn't have been more pleased with how it went. A, I thought I'd only last two or three weeks. So the idea I made it to the quarterfinals was pretty cool. But I think I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed the people. I got in shape. Uh, it was all, over, all around, I, I really thought it was enjoyable, and uh, I was, you know, more than anything, I was really humbled because I can't dance well, that was pretty obvious, but the way I stayed in the, in the show for as long as I did is people's votes, and it meant a lot knowing that people were going out and voting every week to, to keep me in the contest.
0: Hey, Sean, let me transition from, from dancing with the stars and how you had to kind of uh, bring your, your A-game every week to to kind of working in the White House and, and what that was like for you in terms of just really being uh, on the ball, if you will. And now we have Hope Hicks coming back. Uh, what do you make of Hope coming back uh, to the fray? It's kind of like meet the parents and the circle. You know, come on back.
2: Well, I, I, with respect to Hope, I think it's great. Uh, the president really thinks the world of her, admires her, respects her opinion. And um, and I know the rest of the staff does as well. So to have Hope come back as we head into a crucial election season, I think is important. Um, there's a lot of people that have been with the president for a while and Hope had been one of them and for a lot of reasons to decide to move on. And for her to come back, um, I think is good for everybody around the president because it gives him another voice that, that he really uh, trusts and, and respects.
0: Hey, Sean, tell me a little bit about this President's Commission on White House, on the, on the White House Fellowship um, that's been reported out there. And it's funny the way the media spins it. Sean Spicer returning to the White House is what they say. <laughs> tell me a little bit about how this came to be.
2: Um, so so well, first of all, since I left the White House, I was honored. First, uh, the president appointed me to the board, the Board of Visitors, of the U.S. Naval Academy. And then second to this other commission, uh, just as recently, the White House Commission on Fellows. Um, and, and the White House Commission on Fellows is simply that there's there's a group of fellows who uh, apply every year to go work in the White House or the, you know senior places in the executive branch. And this this commission uh, sits down and makes the recommendations for the president who will who will among the the applicants serve uh, as as these fellows. It's a very prestigious program. That folks uh, apply for in the military, in corporate life, uh, those who you know might have been in an academic program, but uh, it's a really, really big deal for those folks to get fellowships and give them that kind of high-level executive experience in the government. Uh, and so the president has named me as one of the commissioners to go in and help choose us. But yeah, I, I saw the reports and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not returning. It's, it's cool, but it's a commission. It needs, you know, what five times a year to, to update. Uh, the president on the status of the fellows to meet with the fellows to help make the program better, and then obviously to choose the yeah, the applicants who will become the fellows.
0: Sean, let me just transition over to uh, 2020 Democrats and Bernie and socialism and Michael Bloomberg's rise and Pete Buttigieg doing well. What what do you make of all of this? I mean, is this is this an effort really in essence to stop Bernie uh, with Bloomberg in the race? And uh, and I'm just wondering what your take is as to who might have the better shot against trump and, and and i understand that my guess is you're going to say none of them will beat the president with this economy but but what does bloomberg potentially offer in terms of concern uh as it relates to bernie
2: well it's a great question david because i think look i, I bernie and elizabeth warren uh, obviously are picking up the far left socialist lane and i think that really scares the establishment democrats to think that the nominee of their party is somebody who a, isn't a member of their party uh, and, and has no problem saying so. B, is a socialist. Um, but with respect to uh, to Bloomberg, I mean, I think the X factor is how much money this guy is going to spend. And that's something that we've never seen before in terms of this willingness to spend, uh, you know, a, a limitless amount of resources to get the nomination. Um, I, you know, I don't think we... we Anyone on the Republican side should take it lightly. If Bloomberg's the nominee, um, I think the president has a very strong record to run on. Um, and, and, and in getting this nomination, Bloomberg, whether he means it or not or believes it, has given every opposition researcher a slew of, of quotes about how far he's crept to the left that will equally scare people. Um, but he is putting a lot of money into data and ground game. Which, as you know from our conversations over the past, I am a big believer. I mean, modern elections are won uh, by getting your folks out and by being able to identify potential voters, uh, whether they're low propensity people who are with you but don't tend to go out of vote, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think Bloomberg's making all the right moves. I just don't know that he can pick up the nomination because you can see it's not just Bernie that's attacking him, it's Elizabeth Warren and Biden. He's getting the full on, you know, scrutiny. and And, and we've got, uh, you know, him finally getting thrown into these contests on Super Tuesday. If he does well, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, A, who drops out, how the deck we shuffled, but then uh, how, they, how they join forces to maybe go after him.
0: So just so I understand, Sean, you said don't take Bloomberg lightly. Uh, you're talking about if he becomes the nominee – uh, he probably, I would assume, the conventional wisdom is he becomes a much more dangerous nominee for the Democrat, or for, excuse me, for the president than than a Bernie Sanders would, I would think.
2: Yes and no, right? So I don't know. I mean, look, you have to have enthusiasm going into a general election. I don't know how fired up the Democratic base is going to be for, for Mike Bloomberg because he's, you know, he, he sort of flirted. I mean, I think he's always been a Democrat, to be honest with you. He rented the Republican Party, he switched to independent as soon as he won the mayorship in, in New York city. So I've never been a big, I think he's always been pretty on the left. Um, and, and I don't think that, that the base of the democratic party is going to get fired up for him. Um, and that, that's where that key enthusiasm is you go into these battleground states is going to matter. So I, I don't, I think Bernie's much easier to draw the contrast with don't get me wrong, but I think the difference with a, a Bloomberg is that you're not going to have that same enthusiasm and excitement that you would with the Sanders?
0: Got it, but he does bring. But you're saying, but Bloomberg does bring a, a different set of issues uh, to run against in, in in a general election, I guess to a degree, though.
2: Absolutely. I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, he's he is a businessman like Trump. He's been obviously a a, a billionaire like Trump. Uh, and but you know, look, I mean, if these two guys want to empty their wallets, it's one thing. But we've never seen this kind of money from any single candidate in history get you know that came out of their personal coffers and not to mention with that I mean he's not taking any money from donors he's feeling it all himself I don't know what that would do in a general election whether he continues to do that or not but you know the, the the amount of money he's spending in a primary is just insane
0: Hey, Sean, a quick last couple of questions on the media. I want to get to your show, your new show coming up in a moment. But let me ask you about this whole Sam Donaldson thing, uh, him endorsing Bloomberg and what that says um, and the repercussions it may have for journalism uh, going forward. Uh, A lot of folks within the the journalism community, the media community, were were none too happy about it. What what, what was your take on, on someone like a Sam Donaldson endorsing Bloomberg, even though he's kind of out of the business, even though he's in a way kind of never out of the business?
2: Well, I'm actually, I I take the view, I'm excited. I'm glad he did it because for so long, journalists who we know are are leftists, uh, are are Democrats, they just want to pretend that they're neutral. It exposes it even more. And the reason that to your point that journalists don't like it is because it does do that. It exposes them. But you think about ABC News, Linda Douglas went on to serve in the Obama administration for a long time. She was a White House correspondent producer. uh, You know, Um, a lot of these White House folks have gone on to work in 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 the obama administration and and so um I, I personally like it because it it kind of pulls back the veil and says like let's stop kidding ourselves you're not you're not neutral you're not unbiased you're all Democrats um and so I think it's great. I also don't know that it really helps Bloomberg and the Democratic party that that he's got you know Sam Donaldson on his side but uh but more than anything, I think the bigger issue is is that it to me it helps expose. The true bias that exists.
0: Sean, tell me a little bit about this show, Newsmax Spicer and Company. Boy, I tell you what, it's a uh, it's pretty big deal here.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, we're going to debut on March third, which is Super Tuesday. Every night, six PM on Newsmax. If you go to your, newsmax.com, there's a little thing that can show you. It's on all the providers: Directv, FiOS, Dish, Xfinity, etc. Go check it out. DVR it, set it on, and, and if you go to seanspicer.com. You can sign up and we'll make sure we send you reminders when the show's going to air and who the guests are. But our goal, David, is, is not to be a, a straight news show every night. It's just here's the rundown. I think we want to have a discussion with people. And the best way to explain it is to say, imagine yourself sitting around the dinner table and we're an extension of that dinner table, having a conversation and breaking down the issues, what they mean, what's being covered, what's not being covered, and the angles that matter. Because I think so many times the media likes to make issues seem very black and white. When in fact, there's a lot more to the story and we want to bring on folks who can really pull back that veil and explain to people what's, what, what those stories really mean, what the ups and the downs means, who's up, who's down and why.
0: Interesting, you know, Sean. You mentioned something. Uh, just a last question, and it's something I wanted to ask you earlier about. But since you mentioned to a degree, uh, there, there's there is a, an agenda journalism out there uh, with folks that are just taking a certain tact and writing about it no matter what, come hell or high water. So I guess my question to you is on this uh, Andrew McCabe and DOJ thing, and y- you know th- this idea that the media has out there that that uh, this was a uh, a death knell for Donald Trump's deep state. Uh, you know, views on DOJ because McCabe, you know, there's gonna be no charges filed. what what is your sense about what's happening over DA, DOJ? Is there still kind of this deep state at play or, or is this just uh, a bunch of nonsense at this point?
2: You know, I, I don't know. It's a good question because you never know like if you if if you have like a Peter Struck and Lisa page who are just rogue rogue folks that have their personal agenda setting in. I generally believe that most people who work at the FBI are, are patriotic people that, that are in the in it to do what's right for the country and, and have unbiased justice. But like anything else, you always have, you know, the onesies and the twosies that have their own agenda and, and can kind of burrow in and, and push that agenda. So I, I don't know. But I do think it's ironic when you look at, you know, the Roger Stone case and say, okay, this guy's going to get seven to nine years in terms of a recommended sentence. And then you got McCabe and Comey and Brennan and Clapper all people have admitted to lying or doing things and not even a single charge
0: and what does that say to you
2: well I I think it's funny because if I always you know call me pessimistic but I always look at every one of these stories and say if the inverse was true right so if all of those guys were Republicans and we were charging a Democrat how would the news media be covering this and I guarantee you it'd be vastly different I think you know you you've seen uh, similar instances of this, so that's where I, I think it's one thing to say everybody's getting treated equally and that's what justice is supposed to be and that's how it's supposed to work in our country but i think that the media is so so has, has such an agenda and such a bias that they will let certain things roll off their sleeves and excuse them and and i always find it fascinating so many times when i'm watching cable news or uh, or reading in places like politico where they come to the defense of the democrats and say you know, here's why this isn't a problem. And it's they literally are, are there to argue on their behalf.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, by the way, last question. Uh, seriously, last question. And that is this um, vulnerable House Democrats in those Trump districts. Uh, is there a chance how much of a chance is there that uh, Republicans could potentially take back the House? I mean, impeachment—you uh, have that. You have Nancy Pelosi tearing up the State of the Union uh, speech. Have have they have they gone way beyond here? What what's your sense? Can can this translate to a Republican uh, victory in the House in two thousand twenty?
2: You know, I I've, I spent a lot of time in my career working on House races. My company, one of my companies right now, Point One. We represent a lot of these these challenger races uh, and I think they're running it's always in these races you can't you know a, winning at the top is worth at best a field goal so if you're down you know within the margin of error it can help but at the end of the day you've got to run you've got to raise the money and run a good campaign and I think that we're seeing that out of a lot of these races we represent Nicole Malatogas in New York 11 it's a great example of a Republican that can flip a seat back uh, there's a lot of these races Virginia Seven. Uh, tina ramirez who's running down there a great candidate who can flip a seat back and so you you know there's definitely the math is there to do this but these guys have got to raise the money and execute a ground game in those final couple weeks to to make sure their voters get out there but the numbers are, are there to make it happen i don't i think it's very tight um but i i think that we have recruited some great folks to run this cycle
0: Sean Spicer, always a pleasure. You were dancing with the stars, now you're dancing with a new television show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you, Sean. David. I appreciate it. All right, so picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about the crow's feet? Or those large under-eye bags? Now imagine that they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It is the edge that you've been looking for. So you don't believe me? Well, guess what, I didn't either until I actually tried it. Now, I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like me, just 10 years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it. Of course, unless you tell them. So go to tryplexiderm.com, use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus, get ready, an additional $10 off. That's right. 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30 day money back guarantee. So visit tryplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's tryplexiderm.com, code VOICES. And that is Sean Spicer here on the pod's Honest Truth. Talk about running the gamut and looking at all different possibilities in terms of a resume. I mean, this is an impressive resume. Working for Donald Trump, that's pretty hard. Learning the tango on national television, dancing with the stars, that's hard too. That... Is the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to a resume. So we thank Sean Spicer uh, for the interview. Hey, by the way, check back here for more great interviews. Sarah Sanders coming in just a few weeks. And also, of course, analysis about the news of the day. So you can find the Pods Honest Truth on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast. Look, at this point, my mom is probably has a lemonade stand somewhere in the Upper West Side of New York, getting people to subscribe to the podcast, which I do appreciate. But, um, it's a little creepy, it's a little weird, but that's fine. I mean, uh, you know, you do what you have to do. So once again, don't forget to check out justthenews.com. Very important that you go there. Subscribe to my podcast, uh, Cheryl Atkinson's podcast, John Solomon's podcast. Even if you have to make a plane reservation in New York and get to the Upper West Side and go to the lemonade stand where my mom is, do it. I mean, please, I, I'd i really appreciate it. I know my mom would love to see you. Uh, anyhow, that's it. More newsmakers. A lot more to come on the next Pod's Honest Truth.